Well, again, I'll tell you good morning. We are so glad that you are here this morning. Uh, we are in our last sermon for our series, Mission Possible. We are looking today at a church that prays. Uh, God laid something on my heart during worship this morning that I wanted to share with you, uh, and I hope you'll hear me out on it and, and understand the place it's coming from. Uh, two verses. First, Luke 18 through 16 says, But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In Psalm 149.3, it says, Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with the timbrel and harp. See, I know that at times our kids can be distracting. I know that because a couple of them are mine. Uh, and they dance around and sometimes they get a little crazy and uh, they get up on stage. And uh, I know that they're, if you've ever grown up in traditional church, that's not usually uh, smiled upon. But I want you to know that it is here. And it is by me and I want you to smile upon it too. You cannot teach joy. You just can't. You can suck it, though. You can suck it away. You can take it away from kids. And uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be takers of joy. Okay? I don't want to suck the joy out of church for our children. We can teach intentionality. Uh, we can teach the reason behind why we worship. And we can teach um, all the important aspects of it. But what we cannot teach is the joy of dancing when we're worshiping our Lord. And so many of us have lost it. Okay? We just have. And I don't want our kids to lose that. So when you see that, I would just pray. If it distracts you, smile upon it. Thank the Lord for it. And uh, go about your worshiping. Okay? Um, that's just my heart. So hopefully you, you, you hear the place of love that that's coming from. Uh, I don't want it to be a distraction. But if it is, man, we've got little vibrant lives in our church that are praising Jesus every Sunday. And I, for one, am grateful. Um, so moving past that. Uh, we'll talk about today. Today we're going to be talking about prayer. Now, this is one thing I have to say. It would be unwise, okay, for any of us, for a good employee, I should say, it would be unwise for a good employee to make major decisions about your job without getting your superior in on the decision that you're trying to make, right? You're not going to uh, change your schedule and not tell your boss, right? It's not like, well, Tuesdays just don't work for me, so I'm going to stop showing up, right? Or, uh, I know it says 8 o'clock, but 8.30 is really better, so you'll see me then, right? That just, that doesn't fly. You're not allowed to do that, at least not when you're a good employee. Sometimes employees get away with that type of thing, and you're like, well, what the heck? But uh, you just wouldn't change procedures or sell goals or any other directive on a whim. A good employee would plan and prepare for the successful implementation of any new idea or desired change and then approach their superior for their blessing, their input, and their involvement. Now, people, Christians, uh, and non-Christians alike, but especially for Christians, we have big plans and we have big dreams, right? That's the thing that applies to all people. People dream and they plan and they desire. We set goals. We want to accomplish wonderful things. We make decisions about relationships, occupations, life, and spiritual matters. What I wonder is, as Christians, how often we approach our superior when we decide to make those major changes in our lives. God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit should be involved and consulted in everything that we do, from the little decisions to the very big. Now, prayer is our means of communication with God and our gateway to his input, blessing, and involvement in our endeavors. I want Crosspoint Fellowship to be a church that prays. I want us to be a church that prays. I want us to get better at praying individually. I want us to pray more corporately. And I want us to pray in our small groups as well. 
Now, here's the thing about prayer. We have to be more intentional when we pray. We have to be intentional in prayer. I'm going to read for you a passage from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. You can follow along in the Bible app or look at the screen. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, I've wrestled a lot this week on if we should ever pray any other word. I'll be real honest with you. Okay, but then as I began to study, I, I understood that the Lord's Prayer was introduced by Jesus to bring intentionality back to prayer. See, you had two camps. You had the Jewish elite who loved to pray in public and they couldn't wait to be seen because of uh, what it would give them. It would bring them attention and people would see them and they would feel good. It was a performance. It was an art. It was about what others saw, not about what they were praying for or what was actually on their heart. I came up with this saying, I really like it. It was all about the notoriety of their piety. It needs to go on a t-shirt. It was all about the notoriety of their piety. They wanted people to see just how awesome they were and how godly they were. And look how connected I am to the Father. And so I will stand on this street corner and I will pray loudly so that everyone going by cannot possibly help but hear me do it. You ever been with somebody whose prayer is a performance? Kind of cheapens it a little bit, don't you? I used to go to Evangel and uh, we were required to go to chapel multiple times a week and... It would be really interesting. Uh, occasionally, they'd bring a student up to pray. And, and listen, I think it's good to plan for prayer, right? I think it's good to plan for prayer. Again, intentionality is the goal and to have certain things to pray about. But they would come up with a completely scripted prayer and they would be delivering it and they would be jumping into words and popping out of them and hands going up at the right time. And it was a performance. And I don't know about anybody else, how anybody else felt about it. But when I saw it, I was kind of turned off. It cheapened their words for me because it wasn't about their prayer. It wasn't about their desire for God to be involved in their life and to change things about their life or to give guidance or anything else or the other things that we're going to talk about today of why we should pray. It was all about, look how awesome this prayer is. Words are going to rhyme. Every letter of my prayer is going to start with a letter so that at the end it spells prayer, right? Like, it's just like, come on, guys. Like, that's not the purpose of it. Then you had uh, the other camp, the Gentiles uh, that just babble on and on and hope that their prayers are answered. Uh, guess what? We're the Gentiles. You're welcome. Uh, anybody ever feel like that? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand, though. At, at times in life, I have felt that way um, where I just haven't. It's hard for me to judge prayer and say that you cannot be good at it, but there are times where I just haven't been very good at it, right? You kind of start, and it's, dear Lord, um... Well, uh, the other day, I, I've been trying to nail this point at home with Cordelia, right? Cordelia, she says a prayer every night before she goes to sleep. And usually it's just, dear Lord, I love you. 
thank you for everything you've done for me. Amen. And that's a beautiful, wonderful prayer, and it's the cutest thing in the world. But I think now, the first couple times she did it, there was some real heart behind it. And now it's just like, this is my prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm going to shut my eyes. I'm going to go to sleep. And so I I told her, I said, listen, before you start to pray, before you start to pray, uh, I want you to come up with one thing that you can pray about. Now, she settled on Australia, which was very sweet, right? Australia dealing with the wildfires and just all the devastation. She wanted to pray for the country of Australia and for the protection of the animals. And and that was great. But I said, hey, before you pray, figure out what you want to pray about. This is how our prayer started. Dear Lord, I love you. Thank you for this day. And Larry looked at her. She's going... I said, are you okay? Yeah, I'm just thinking about what to pray about. Okay, all right. See, so sometimes we just kind of waddle through prayer. What a picture that is. We just get in there and we dance around in there and eventually we come out when we forget what else to say or forget where we were or started thinking about our grocery list and we say amen and it closes, right? We have to have purpose behind our words. And I don't know if you have ever felt like you're just wandering aimlessly through prayer, but it's not really a good feeling. The Lord's prayer was here to put an end to all of it. And yet at the same time, the Psalms are filled, and I mean filled with prayers that don't fit this exact mold. So what does that teach us? And this is what I think it teaches us. It seems that it isn't what we say. It isn't what we say, but the intention behind it that matters. So I think it's important that we are intentional with our prayers. I think it's important that we have a plan for our prayer life. So what are some things that we can pray about? What do we pray about? I get this. What do I pray about? There's people who honestly will tell you, if you ever have an honest conversation, that they feel like they're bad at prayer. I told you I felt like there was a time in my life where I was bad at prayer. There are still times occasionally where I'm not very good, I feel like, at prayer. Right? And that's a struggle that a lot of Christians have. I'm not very good at prayer. What do we pray about? James 15, or James 5, 16 Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. One of the things that we can pray for is healing and restoration. We can pray for healing, for specific needs, for ourselves and for our loved ones. Now, this is physical, right? Pray for physical healing, but this can also be emotional healing. This can be the healing of a broken relationship or a broken marriage or a broken work environment where you just feel like you're not involved anymore. It could be about our land that we live in. God, heal our nation. I feel like that would be a good prayer for us to pray right about now. God, heal our nation. It seems fractured. So healing and restoration is one thing that we can pray for. What's another thing we can pray for? Matthew 26, 41. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. We can pray for protection. Protection from the evil one. God, deliver us from evil. Keep us from harming ourselves. Keep us from falling into the trap. Don't allow us to be snared by the day-to-day that seems to be bringing us down. This is a word of caution from Jesus to his disciples about how easy it is to be distracted from our task at hand. See, our job is to live our lives for the Father, for the Son, with the Holy Spirit, right? That's our job. Live our life for Jesus. But so often we can become distracted by all the things that we face in this world and it can keep us from from our purpose. 
And so we need to pray, God, deliver us from evil when it comes my way. Help me to be strong in my belief. Help me to stay the course. Protect me from this evil that I face. Luke 6, 27 and 28. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. You who are willing to listen. Look at that. We have choices. I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. We need to pray for our enemies and not, dear Lord, take them out, right? That's not the prayer. Like some of y'all, some of you are like, oh, I pray for my enemies. I pray for my enemies all the time. I'm praying for that city bus to come right down the road right now, right? We're not praying for their destruction. We're not praying for their destruction. We are praying for our enemies, praying for our enemies. You know, I'll, I'll get, tell you one thing, and just so you know, when I say pray for your enemies, it's for everyone else, not you. So you can take some delight in that. That was a joke, right? That's a joke, right? We're real good at telling other people, pray for your enemies, but when it comes to praying for our enemies, no, we want those people to suffer. They harm me, I want them harmed. You hurt me, I want you hurt. But that is not the godly way to go about things. That is not the godly way to go about things at all. Who better to pray for than the people that we like least? Who better to pray for than the people that we like least? Some of y'all are coming up with a list right now. Can I stop at 20 or do I, like, can I go on? Do I have to stop at 20, right? Like, you, you've got the list. I, I can see the look on some of your faces. You right now are like, yep, them, mm-hmm, them. I'm going to have to change that prayer, though. I'm going to have to change that prayer because it's been for something else. As you pray for your enemies, a couple things happen. A couple things happen. This is a gift that Jesus gives us. First, your attitude about them will change. You will see that. Your attitude about them will completely change. And you'll wonder to yourself, what in the world is happening? But your attitude about them will completely change. It'll go from anger to maybe pity. Maybe it'll turn even to love. Man, I just, I want that person to get right. I just love that person. And you're sitting there thinking, what in the world is happening to me? So your attitude will change about them. Here's the second thing that happens. I want you to hear me on this. They will lose their power over you. They will lose their power over you. Whatever it is, whatever hold they have on you, and I promise you, you can sit here and be tough guy and tough girl all day long, but if you have enemies, they have a hold over you. Most of the time emotional. They take up your headspace in not a positive way. You start to pray for that person, they will lose that power over you. It will happen. I challenge you to do it. You'll start to see that person in a different light. You'll want that person to get right, not get what is right. Does that make sense? You'll want that person to get right, not get what is right. It won't be, Lord, hit them with that bus anymore. It'll be, Lord, put them on the bus to forgiveness or whatever. It's going gonna, it's gonna to completely change your way. I promise it will. What else can we pray for? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What a hard verse to wrap our heads around. What a hard verse to sit in line with. You're telling me I have to be joyful in all circumstances? 
I have to be joyful in all circumstances. Do you know what has happened to me? Do you know what I've asked God for and he hasn't given me? Do you know that I feel like I've been left behind? That I am last on God's list of priorities? I'm supposed to be thankful in all circumstances. I'm supposed to be joyful in all circumstances. If God is God, this is a struggle I've had for a long time in life. I know others have because I've had multiple conversations all across the room with different people that struggle with this exact concept. We see things in scripture that we think are evil. We experience things in life that feel evil, that tear us down, that are not good for us. So how can a loving God allow those things to happen? How can that be God's will? How can I love God if God's will is not for me to just feel like I should be joyful all the time because bad things have happened? If God is God, can his actions be unjust? That's a question we have to answer. If God is God, can his actions be unjust? And if we are God's creation, does God not have ownership over us in our lives? That's a hard thing to come to. But if we applied that to anything in our life, we would feel differently about it. Take that away. If you created something, would you not feel like you owned it? If you created something, would you not feel like it was yours? If you were the possessor of an item, would you think that that item could choose everything about its future? I'm not talking about free will here, but I'm just saying that we have to let God be God. And it's one of those hard things about Christianity and understand that God's will is God's will. And that, yes, we must always be joyful because if we believe that God is God, right, that's the basis of our faith. And then we go from there and we believe that Scripture is Scripture. We know that in the end, God has plans for our betterment, even when we don't feel great about it. So we need to pray, okay? We need to pray with thanks. We need to pray with thanks. We need to thank God. God. We're real quick to pray all different types of prayers, but I think one of the prayers that we neglect oftentimes is a thank you to God for where we're at. Sometimes being thankful is focusing a little bit on you personally. This is where I am, and God, I thank you for that. Got a lot of things happening outside of just me, But Lord, I have been blessed by you. You have given me life. You have given me breath. You've given me another day with my family. You let me catch that green light when I was late to work, right? Maybe sometimes it seems trivial. Maybe it's a huge thing. But in life, we just need to be thankful. We need to find things to to be joyful about. Little things, big things. Song about a cardboard box is going in my head right now, but I don't even know what it's about, so I shouldn't have said that. But thanks. Sorry, 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 sorry. Big box, little box, cardboard box, no one's, I don't even know where that's from. What am I doing? 
ADHD is kicking in. It happens to adults too. I promise it's a real thing. I can't believe I just did that. Thanks. Pray for thanks. Let God know that you are thankful. Thank him for the good things in your life. Mark eleven twenty five. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. We need to pray for forgiveness, not just our own forgiveness, but for the forgiveness of others. And not just that God would forgive them, but that God would break our heart to forgive them as well. Remove the callous so that I can forgive that person as well because they have wronged me. And just as God has forgiven me, an undeserving, corrupted human being, I should forgive others who are in my same standing. That's the principle. Forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We should ask for forgiveness and the strength to forgive because scripture makes it very clear on more than one, uh, more than, than, than a few occasions that our being forgiven is somehow connected to our ability to forgive, to our ability to forgive. And we've talked about this in the past. With the measure we use to judge others, God will use that measure to judge us. We get real uncomfortable, and I didn't even say it this way because I was a little uncomfortable of feeling like uh, it's saying that we have to do something in order to receive salvation. But, but it seems to me that Scripture makes it very clear that our ability to be forgiven, our being forgiven, is somehow tied to us forgiving others. Chew on that, pray about that. But be careful, because if you ask God, to help break your heart, to bring about forgiveness in your life, it will happen. I know I'm going long and I apologize. Get over it. Love you. First John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Confession. You sin. God knows it. God knows your sin. It does not excuse you from confessing your sin to him. Say it again. You sin. God knows it. God knows your sin. It does not excuse you from confessing your sin to him. You should pray to confess your sins. You should pray to confess your sins. Mark eleven twenty four. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. This is the prayer we like. Supplication. We can pray for anything. We can pray for the green lights all the way to work. We can pray for that bonus. We can pray for that raise. Don't pray for that enemy the way you want to, though. Okay? Don't pray for that enemy the way you want to. If we are good at any form of prayer, it's usually this one. We get real good at asking God for things. A lot of us use them like a genie. I got to go find my God lamp so I can get my three wishes, right? A lot of us use God like a genie, but it's supposed to be so much more than that. Now, we can ask God for anything, and that is true. And I do believe that anything means anything, okay? That doesn't mean that we wander, we wander aimlessly through our prayer for anything. It means that we approach God with specific purposes and needs, that we make those things clear. Maybe it takes practice. Maybe at, when we're praying over our dinner, it's not, dear Lord, thank you for this food. It's, dear Lord, thank you for... Aunt Sarah's delicious Italian lasagna, right? Like, I say that facetiously, but I'm also being serious. Like, we need to practice being specific and intentional and purposeful in the way that we pray. 
Psalm 25.4. This is, I don't know if there's one that's more important than the other, but I find this to be very important, especially for our church. Especially for our church. Psalm 25.4. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. We need to pray for guidance. We need to get our superior in on the things that we are wanting to do for his blessing, for his involvement, and for his guidance. We want to know the path. We seek the path. Who is the ultimate guide to the path? That would be God. He's given us the spirit to lead us on the day to day. But we need to get God involved in everything that we're doing. We need to pray for guidance. God, I've got a big decision coming up. What do you want me to do? God, I'm kind of at a place in my life where I don't know what's next. Show me what's next. God's the ultimate guide to our path. We should involve him to provide all directions that we need. What are we going to do about this as a church? I talked about wanting to give us real intentional steps. Okay? Small groups. If you're, in the leader of a, if you're a leader of a small group or you're a member of a small group, open small group with prayer, close it with prayer. Seems so simple, but oftentimes we forget. Whatever reason, we're there, we're hanging out, and then we just jump right in. Pray. Pray over your time together. God, make this time be a fruitful time for us. We need to pray corporately for real purposes. How are we going to do that? This is how we're going to do it. This year and for every year, I am the pastor of Crosspoint moving forward as long as you will have me. After every sermon series, we are going to have a service devoted to worship and prayer. The first one is next week. First one is next week. Okay? Talked to Jake a little bit about this. He's probably going to lead the majority of those because he's good at it, even though he may not always feel that way. But he's wonderful. Because the next one's happening so quickly, you might see me, you might see him. I still got to discuss that with him. But this is what next week's going to be like. Okay? Be real honest about it. We're going to worship. We're going to have two... 10-minute periods devoted to prayer, to intentional, purposeful prayer, where we seek God to guide us, to fill needs for specific purposes of this church and in your life. And then we will end that service by taking the Lord's Supper. And it is vital for you to be here next Sunday. And it is vital for you to be here in every service like that. I can't imagine that too many of you are like that hung up on hearing me speak, right? <laughs> but if you're like, yeah, he's not preaching. I don't know if I'll be there. Be here. It is as vital, if not more, for you to be here next week than it is to ever hear a word come out of my mouth. Hear me? Love me because I love you. I want you to be here. I want you to be here. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. God, we pray this in Jesus' powerful, wonderful, magnificent name. Amen.